What's up, babes? Welcome back to the podcast. I have the one and only Chris Harder here. I'm so freaking pumped to have him here today. Chris, welcome to the show. Jillian, how you doing? Congrats on your show, by the way. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. For those of you guys that don't know it, Chris Harder was my very first investment ever before I even knew anything about this crazy and wild coaching space. So what a full circle moment this is. That's wild. I, I always forget that that was your first investment ever. And I know how scary that is, right? Like, I don't care what size it is. I don't care where you're at in your business. The first one is always the scary one because you haven't been there, or done that before. So you have no proof of if you're being wise with your money or not. So one, thanks for trusting me way back then. Uh, two, that it's a huge honor to see where you are now and how quickly you've, you've just flew up the ranks. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Well, I can definitely say it was definitely you, Lori, your mentorship, Fast Foundations. I mean, that Fast Foundations is still a huge part. I just joined the next round. I'm super excited about it. And I actually want to talk about the importance of masterminds and networking and why this is so crucial for entrepreneurs to get inside of rooms. Yeah. People underestimate the power of expanding their network with quality people. And I... I know when the listener hears that, they say, no, I don't. I know it's important. No, trust me. You are underestimating. Like you might think it's valuable, but you don't actually realize the extreme long-term value of expanding your network with quality individuals. I'll give you a real tangible example. Please. My now business partner, Matt, who we are building a billion dollar FinTech app with that I would not be able to build without he and his team because he already built a tech company and sold it and, and he retained his team. That relationship would not exist without first meeting him at a mastermind in the South of France. Now, I remember spending the money on going to that mastermind and thinking, why do I have to go to the South of France in order to meet other like-minded people, et cetera? But I had already invested in a lot of groups at that point, so I knew that they paid off. But little did I think that you know, almost four years ago, I would meet my now business partner who was able to bring a dream that, that I had inside of me that is really important to me alive that I wouldn't bring a lot, you know, to, to light, that I wouldn't bring to market without him because I lack certain skill sets in that arena. That is just one of a thousand examples I have as to the long-term value of masterminds. It's so powerful. And I love that you're talking about this. This is actually going to lead into my next question. But I believe one so much in one-on-one -on -one mentorship, but then I always am in masterminds because again, you're paying for network, you're paying for people. So when you were just starting out, you and Lori were just starting out, how did you pick and how did you get into rooms that maybe you weren't invited to yet? Great question. Um, there's two answers to this. The first answer is the short one. You should always be kicking, biting, fighting, scratching your way into rooms that you think you don't qualify for yet. Yeah. Because that means you'll have the fastest growth and the highest ceiling in that room. Let's just use numbers as a silly example so people can understand what I mean. Let's say uh, there's a mastermind where you have to be making $100,000 to get in. Mm -hmm. And let's say you've only earned $75,000 up to that point. But you, you beg and you show your trajectory and you say, hey, if you look at my three-month pattern, I'm way over $100,000 in annualized earnings. And, and you, know, you, you sell your way into that mastermind. Now, the importance of that is everybody else in there, they might be making a quarter million or 500,000 or maybe even a million, who knows? But because you barely squeaked in, you have the highest ceiling. You're gonna be able to learn from all of those who are a few steps ahead of you that have already been there, done that. And you're gonna have the most to accumulate out of that mastermind. That's why you wanna 
you know, bite, fight, kick, scratch your way into rooms that, that scare you or you may not qualify for yet. That's number one. Number two is our first investments into masterminds were, um, it was Lori. Lori made the first investment into a mastermind for us. She joined Jack Canfield's mastermind. And I remember it was $25,000. And when she came to me and said, I want to join this thing that Jack's putting on, and it's $25,000. And I think it's going to help me with X, Y, and Z. I thought, holy crap, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. that is insane. That is nuts. But Lori and I have this rule in our marriage that we'll always be willing to try things on for size. And mm-hmm. this is an example where that totally saved our asses. Um, I was willing to try it on for size. I was willing to trust that she knew what she was investing in. And that investment created lifelong relationships for her, created lifelong business partners for her, uh, was the the thing that launched her bliss project, which, you know, we used to have 500 women from eight different countries come every single year for her event. Uh, her, her book was indirectly born out of relationships in there. I mean, so many things have come from that first scary investment before making those investments were, were normal to us. Mm-hmm. So it went from there into a few more masterminds and I'll be honest, not all of them were great, but all of them mm-hmm. gave great lessons. Yes. We were a part of one that was so bad that we chose to not continue on with it, mm-hmm. but we didn't ask for our money back no. and we did not go out there and, and badmouth the people putting this mastermind on because we were able to see the value. The value for us was, Hey, we need to create some containers for people learning where we wouldn't do X, Y, and Z, where we would never make people feel like X, Y, and Z. And we pulled probably more important lessons that we use today in what not to do from that investment as we did from the other investments that we would consider good investments. So I'm telling you, there's value in every single group you join that is long-term value, not necessarily face value right away. So good. So, so good. And I love that you actually just talked about Lori, because that was actually where I was going to drive the next conversation to. So, so many of my listeners are new entrepreneurs and they're really fighting, you know, business, marriage, all the things. You and Lori have obviously built a beautiful marriage, a thriving business, but I'm sure it wasn't always as beautiful as we see on Instagram. So what are some of the key foundations that have helped you guys grow to the business and lifestyle that you have today? I already mentioned one of them. It's this rule that we have, that we're always Mm -hmm. willing to try something on for size. And the reason that's so important is when you bring uh, an idea to your business partner or your romantic partner, hey, I really want to try this. And the other person just immediately shuts it down. It causes you to stop bringing ideas to that partnership. And then two bad things happen when you stop bringing new ideas to that partnership. One, it can become very boring, very stale, and you stop growing as partners. And number two, you might actually cause that person to stop bringing great ideas that would uplevel your life forever. I mean, I was not involved in self-development until Lori basically dragged me to a self-development event. And I remember spending, it was a three-day event. I spent the first day judging everyone saying, this is the stupidest thing. What, you know, I can't believe I came to this. And I left three days later, a totally different person. That's a great example of being open. All the best things have come when, when we're open, of being open to trying everything on for size. Now, it doesn't have to be a fit. This is the second half of the rule. This is what makes it good. As long as you try it on for size, if it's not a fit for you, then your partner can't be mad that it's not a fit. So that's, that's one of the, the things that's really helped us to thrive. Um, I remember you asked about some of the downtimes. Lori and I had to completely start over financially in 2008, 2009, when the recession hit. I was in the banking world and we were living way beyond our means. And when my salary shut off, then we were just in a heap of trouble. 
and we had to dig our way out. And I remember we walked our way to every single solution, every single idea, every single brainstorm, every single down moment, up moment, and everything we do. We would walk three to six to nine miles in the morning, and we would walk three to six to nine miles in the afternoon. We're living in Minneapolis at the time. So if anyone lives there, or if you guys know where Lake Calhoun is, like Lake of the Owls, Lake Calhoun, those were the lakes we would just spend hours walking around, working out our troubles, working out what we're struggling with, working out our feelings, working out uh, dreaming about the future, uh, working out brainstorming. And it created a physical space for us to know that we're, we're going and moving our bodies, which gets your brain going. So we have adopted walking as a non-negotiable uh, both in the morning and in the evening, every single day of our life. We go when it's raining. We go when we don't feel like it. We go when we're fighting because it's that container that you know that you have to process You know anything that you need to process. It becomes kind of a, a safe space you can count on happening. So yours may not be walking. Yours might be something else. Uh, you guys go for a drive or you guys do whatever. But the importance is you get up, you leave the space where you've been doing battle all day. And you, you have this non-negotiable where you can come together and connect again as a couple, especially if you're doing business together. I love it. Speaking of that, I just bought one of those Go Rucks that she's been wearing. Oh, man. So <laughs> did you get the 20 pounder, 25? Or the so I'll tell you a funny story. I, I'm fit like Lori. And I was like, oh, I can wear the 45. I thought I got this thing in the mail. I couldn't even pick it up. So I was it's like, oh, okay. I it love was, it. It was awful. So then I had to, then you can't, I couldn't return it. So then I had to go and reorder the 25. So now I have the 25. So yeah, I actually just got it, but I'm like obsessed with it. It's pretty amazing. We're totally obsessed. We were yeah, able to add it. something into the walks we're already taking yeah. that completely up levels them. So it didn't cost us any more time. It just cost us more effort during the walk that we're already doing. And it's already been a game changer. Yeah, I love it. So shout out to Go Rock. So if you watch this in this podcast, yeah. So you guys do get in funks. How do you pull yourself out of a funk? I think by now we have the tools to do it. I mean, yeah. with the number of businesses we have, with the number of uh, family dynamics, with the number of everything that we have, we're guaranteed to have things that put us in a funk damn near every day, if not for sure, multiple times a week. Yeah. And it's unavoidable that these, these things are going to happen that'll, that'll put you into a funk and then add normal human emotion. Sometimes you just wake up in a funk. Sometimes you wake up on top of the world and, and it, both are inexplainable, right? So at this point, we've created the tools to be able to quickly adjust and control how we want to see the moment. And if you control how you want to see the moment, you can control how you want to see the day. And if you control how you want to see the day, you can start to control how you want to see the week. So just a few of those tools. Uh, I wake Lori up to a mantra and I've been doing this for years now. Uh, I wake her up and I say, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. And I make her say it back to me. And, uh, you know, she kind of says it half ass at first because she's still asleep and I make her say it like she means it. So that's one of the tools because now we're choosing the very first thoughts of the day to be empowering, right? Then I roll over quick. I do a real quick prayer of everything I'm grateful for. It takes 30 seconds. I mean, look at in, in 60 to 90 seconds time before my feet hit the ground, I have now chosen what set of lenses I want to see the morning through. And similar to what I said about if you can control the moment and you control your day, if you control your morning, you can then control the outcomes of your afternoon. Um, the walks I already told you about, uh, positive propaganda is something that is a non-negotiable for us. So uh, while we're having our coffee in the morning, we're filling our heads with either a book or a podcast to help reinforce what we want to believe, what we want to learn, what we want to think for the day. 
the truth is this, the world is going to keep putting lots of shitty propaganda in your lap. It really is. It's just, you can't avoid it. Whether it's coworkers, whether it's the news, whether it's something happening in your community, whether it's something happening in your family, you're going to be bombarded with bad propaganda that makes you feel horrible. So you have to choose to outweigh that by seeking positive propaganda on a regular basis. So we have at least two hours a day of positive propaganda sprinkled throughout the day that we're going and plugging into books, you name it, YouTube videos, whatever's going to reinforce how we want to see the day. Those are just a few of the examples. I could go on forever and I don't want to, um, of all these tiny little seemingly nerdy, seemingly insignificant things that when you add them up, allows us to control the outcome of our days, day in and day out. And this is the important piece. You can't control the circumstances that'll happen to you. Bad things are going to happen. You can't control necessarily the actions and, and thoughts and feelings of everybody around you. You have to operate in this world or be a recluse. Those are your two choices. But what you can control is what you do with those things, how you view those things, and what the outcome of those things is going to be. So Lori and I, to put a button on this, are 100% focused all the time on controlling the outcome and not the circumstances. It's so powerful. It's so good. And it, you know, speaking obviously now to my audience that are entrepreneurs, the, the world has shifted online. The coaching space has shifted online. So everyone's freaking out, right? The recession is changing. The algorithm's changing. The coaching industry is changing. How can people take the same advice that you just gave them and really put their head forward to all the changes that are coming? I love change. Listen, I love people, change. I know change is uncomfortable for people. I know change is scary for people. But the truth is, without change, there are, there are no new opportunities created. Mm -hmm. So what happens is everything gets saturated if things yep. don't change. There's too many coaches that you just mentioned, or there's too many this, or there's too many that, there's too many widgets, there's too many, what you name the product, you name the yeah. space. If things don't change, there's too many people that flood into that space because it's a successful space. Mm -hmm. And then when there's too many people in that space, things obviously get a lot tougher. And if that were not to continue on forever, then there would not technically be enough to go around. So when change happens, it forces new problems to be solved and new problems to be solved means new opportunities. Whether you create a product to solve that problem, whether you create a program to solve that problem, new problems uh, created out of change is actually what you should be looking for. You got to be, you have to become a ninja at seeking the opportunity in absolutely every situation that comes your way. You're either going to be focused on, you know, why it's more difficult or why it's more uncomfortable, or you're going to be focused on where's the opportunity? Where does this fit my past experiences and my current skill sets? Where do these things intersect? And how can I be one of the first to market to solve this new problem? And when you start thinking that way, when you start becoming opportunity-minded, I know that sounds dumb and small, but it'll change absolutely everything for you. And you'll start seeing the, you'll start seeing so many opportunities that now your new challenge is not doing all of them, but focusing on one of them. No, it's so good because I feel like everybody right now is just so focused on everything's changing. Everyone's this, everyone's doing this. And it's like, you're missing all the opportunities that are available and how you can actually stand out right now amongst the noise with all the changes that are actually happening. So true. I'll give you a, a real quick example. I love um, it. The texting world, so text mm -hmm. marketing yep. is where everybody should be, but very few people are. 
And just when a few people were starting to get momentum in the text marketing world, the rates for texting your list and marketing to them, they shot up through the roof for, for most companies because it's more expensive for companies to do. Now, there's a lot of people that say, see, this isn't going to work for me or see, um, this is too expensive for me. They're missing the opportunity. The opportunity is when everybody else is saying, oh, just got started in the text marketing world and now it's the, the cost of doing it has gone up. So I'm not going to do it. When everyone's doing that, you should be leaning into it. Who cares what it costs? Find a way, you know, replace Facebook ads, Instagram ads, the other things that have become saturated and useless. Replace that money spent and place that into the text marketing world because fewer people will be doing something that is already the most effective marketing tool out there. And that means you're going to stand out even more. That's just, just one tiny example of some of the change that's going on out there that you could take advantage of. I love, I love that you said that. So actually I have text marketing and my list is small, but I crush it on text marketing. People are like, oh, you don't really do email marketing. I don't do a ton of email marketing, but it's like, because a lot of my competitors in quotes don't do text marketing. It's such a great opportunity for me to actually touch my clients so much deeper and so much easier because no one's texting them like I am. Yep. Jillian, I send out a positive money mantra or a positive business perspective every single morning that I wake up uh, Monday through Friday. Remember when I told you a few minutes ago that I wake Lori up to a mantra? Mm -hmm. um, she told me about a year ago, hey, you should do this for everybody. So I started doing it and I didn't think it would be this popular. So now when I send out that text every morning, I send it out to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It costs me two to $3,000 a month just to send out this free text with mm -hmm. no ask in return, like, right? So mm -hmm. most people would say, why am I spending $3,000 a month to send out this daily free text? It's because I know that over time, when I need the help of that community, whether it's yep. launching my new FinTech app, whether it is launching a course, whether it's writing a book, who knows what it is. Once I need that community, I will have the most intimate, high touch connection with them more so than anybody else. So I see it as investing mm -hmm. in my future engagement with a community that I'm building reciprocity with. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's literally so good. So let's just move into that real quick. If you could focus in on one area for entrepreneurs, would it be go all in on text marketing? Oh boy, no. That's one very important place to be. The answer to this depends on, because entrepreneurs is such a general term, right? Yeah. Let's say the, coaches. My, my audience is a lot of coaches. Yeah. So if I was a newer coach right now, mm -hmm. my exact actions would be have a podcast or be interviewed on a podcast at least three times a week. Mm -hmm. That's number one, because that's the, the easiest way through audio to reach people right now. And you build trust over time, the more that they see and hear from you. That's number one. Number two. I would be driving everybody from those podcast appearances or your own episodes into some kind of high value text marketing opportunity. So mine, for example, is every morning I send you the positive money mantra or positive um, business perspective. Let me give it. Can I give a shameless plug? I'm, please, please plug away. If you, guys, if you guys want that, just text me the word daily to 310-421-0416. Again, just text me the word daily to 310-421-0416. So I would, matter of fact, actually you should text me so you can see how it funnels. Yeah, so, and we'll definitely throw it in the show notes. You guys know I'm obviously plug Chris all over the place, but we'll definitely put that in there as well. Yes. You're, 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 you're the best. So I would start with the audio exposure, driving people into a text value offering. Then I would drive them from the text value offering slowly into your email funnel so that you can double dip on exposure to them. 
And I would nurture those things significantly uh, and use a 90-10 value to ask ratio. So meaning 90% of the time when I send anything out, it's going to be improving other people's lives. And 10% of the time or less, I'm going to be asking for something in return. So make sure you're adhering to that. I see people oversell their communities all the time. Mm-hmm. And then as a side um, to what I just said, I would make sure that I am all over repurposing Instagram reels into TikToks, into short form video on YouTube. Jillian, if you asked me, what's my biggest regret? It's that I didn't start putting all of my podcast episodes on video, you know, 670 episodes or whatever it was ago, because I would be able to make so much money from YouTube ads right now, probably a couple million bucks a year, just by having those on YouTube and turning on ads. So right now I'd be all over video. I don't care if you don't like how you show up on video. There's always a way to make yourself comfortable. The world's moving to video as the secondary platform. Audio will always be the first platform. You guys, those are some golden nuggets. Listen to this episode on repeat. Take some notes. Follow Chris. Grab that message. Text the word daily to it. Uh, Those were some amazing things. Obviously, listen to his podcast. Keep it in your ears. Chris, this is the last question that I ask everybody. What makes you buy from somebody online? Oh, I love this question. I mean, it's a sales podcast. I got to ask a sales question. I love this question. Here's why I buy from somebody online. Um. Somebody, usually word of mouth, recommends it to me, it or them to me. I check them out and they look incredibly first class and credible online. And the combination of those things makes me buy from them. So what's the lesson to those listening in that? One, you have got to build that familiarity and that word of mouth. You really do. And number two, when people check you out, you better make sure that you've put effort into putting your stuff on point. Your Instagram looks good. Your LinkedIn looks good. Your bios look good. Whatever it is where you're putting your, your foot forward, don't be lazy because people will make a judgment based on how well those things look. And then the combination of someone vouching for you and them you looking good, uh, that will cause somebody to buy. And that's the world that we live in right now. So you got to exercise that. So good. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Obviously, we'll put all of your information in the show notes. Make sure you're following both Chris and Lori. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here today. Jillian, it's my pleasure. I just want to say again, I'm so proud of not just your show, but how quickly you've added value to so many people out there. You're a great inspiration for other people to aspire to follow. Thank you so much. I received that, Chris.